Amen. Amen. Um, if somebody could, uh, that's near the back, if you could maybe just bring a couple of our house lights up just to make it a little bit easier to see the word, maybe take a few notes today um, as we start this series, that would be fantastic. Um, thank you again. Like I said, my uh, Wendy and I, uh, the boys did not catch um, COVID from us, but we had it. Uh, and I really appreciate the prayers, appreciate people that came and uh, dropped off food and that kind of stuff. Um, that was a huge blessing because I, I, when, you, when, you, when you're sick as a parent, especially when both of you are sick, um, many times it, it kind of fell at a point where it was, oh, hey, it's bright in here now, I can see who sleeps. I like this, this is a good change, good change. Um, there were several days uh, where that, man, that was just such a huge blessing because uh, we were sick enough where we, did, we, were not, we were not feeling getting up and getting in the kitchen and making sure that they were well fed, and uh, there were some days where they ate a lot better because of the love of our church family uh, than they would have ate because of the uh, energy of their parents. Uh, so thank you very much. Um, if you will pray for um, Hugh Smith, um, he's one of our um, wonderful guys at church. Uh, he and his wife both have it, but uh, Hugh's going to spend a couple of days in the hospital uh, just making sure that they're watching his breathing. Uh, so if you would, please be in prayer for them um, as they're going through it. And also just, we have a lot of families that are waiting to see and, and coming out of it and um, I know just recently we've had a little bit of, a little bit of rise in it. So let's just keep praying, just asking the Lord for um, his guidance and his wisdom and, and direction and everything that we do, all of our decisions um, is great. Um, like I said, it was, just, it, it was such a blessing to have uh, just so much love and, and so much um, help during this time. Uh, we did, though, one day there was a box that came in the mail. And uh, on that box, I, my sons grabbed it and off the porch, and they saw the word snacks just printed on it. It was delivered uh, by some delivery service, um, and they brought in, they said, Dad, somebody just sent us this whole big box of snacks, and they were getting ready to tear it, and I said, hang on a second, let's look at the label, you know, you get, you're a grown-up, you got to check for names and see who it is, and on the, on the front of the box, it said, vegan snacks, and that's a strange way to show you love during a time when somebody's sick, but um, it was great because I have a, I have a son that has uh, food allergies, and uh, when, when, when we got a big box of vegan snacks, like 99% of things were really aimed at him, and he was... He was in love with it, so uh, I, and I, I graciously gave him all he wanted out of that box. It was it was uh, it was a good moment. I thought we could get, but I would tell you this: I, I did learn this um, many times as a family. Uh, we we are busy in church work, um, and I want to tell you this: this is just kind of a small glimpse of something I thought was really great because I think it it, it helps us as adults with an appreciation, but it also um, helps our kids as well. Um, many times as a church family, we go right in our minds to what can I do for someone, but we don't always rush to, in our minds mentally, right now, how could someone help me? And when, uh, we, when, when the first day, a couple from the church dropped off Chick-fil-A. It was kind of early on in our, in our quarantine, our sickness. And, and my, my youngest son said, how did we get Chick-fil-A? Like, he's puzzled. He's like, okay, no one left the house. How did Chick-fil-A get here? It really is a Jesus chicken. Um, and he said, uh, you know, how do we get this Chick-fil-A? And we said, okay, you know, this, this family dropped it all for us for lunch. And he has, has this look. He's like, wow, so like it feels like this when somebody does it for you. I was like, yes. He was like, this is awesome. And I looked at that. I thought, you know, this, maybe, maybe that's one of the areas as a parent that I, that I shortchanged my kids and say, okay, hey, let's push to do for others. But you don't kind of open up that awareness in their mind of, hey, when you need something, this is why God has given you this group of people. Look to them and let them know what you need. It's a great opportunity, great opportunity. Uh, we're going to be in the, um, the book of Acts. I'm excited about that. I just mentioned my middle son. Um, he, has these, he has these food allergies. Um, the main, one of the biggest things he's allergic to 
um, is, is this protein called whey. Now, if you work out a lot, you know what whey protein is. Um, I don't work out a lot, so you know probably more than I do. What I know about it is this. It is in everything, dairy, eggs, milk, butter, cheese, ice cream. It's in all of it. It's in all of it. So when we keep those things away from him, we tend to have a smoother road with his digestive system. Wendy has worked hard over the years because she's an awesome mom at how does she make things taste like we taste things for him. Now, that's an adventure. We've had a lot of different projects with food at the house. Uh, early on, we've had birthday cakes that about a nine-inch cake weighed about 45 pounds, right? I don't know how a cake could weigh as much as it did, but it, it, was, it was serious, and he loved it. He's always loved it all along. But she's got a new product she just tried while we were in quarantine. She had bought it right before. It's called Just Eggs. Now, I've seen this product, and I can promise you, it's not just eggs, in fact, I would venture to say it's, it's not eggs. I, I think that the, the label on the product is quite deceiving. <laughs> it's not an egg in there. There's not, a, there's not a creature that lays what that product is. But it's amazing because for the first time, she made a chocolate cake that tastes the same, weighed the same. I mean, it was uh, it's the first time I've ever handed him something that I knew tasted the same as I had experienced it. And as we go into the series in Acts, we're going to go and we're going to be looking at a group of people who for the very first time have Jesus in them, not beside them. And, and, it's, and it's hard to explain. It, it's like me giving Tyler that piece of cake. You experience it and you taste it and you're going, how in the world is this exactly the same, but it's not the same? It's different, it's unique, it functions in a specific way, but it's also the same thing. And, and for us, I believe at this moment in, in our lifetime, and, and, and it may not just be a short season, I believe we have an opportunity to learn what it means to be the church of Jesus Christ, a body of believers together, in community, living for him, building the kingdom in, in, in Holy Spirit-led ways, because if, if things don't just click back, we need to rely on him to see what is next for us who live like Jesus, believe in Jesus, and want to see this world change for him. So while we're in the series, I really want to encourage you to take some notes, um, study it, read it. Um, there is a page. We don't have a direct link to it on our website yet, but our website is rfcc.org. There's a page that is rfcc.org um, forward slash acts. And certain notes and certain things that I may mention are, are, are going to be on that page. There's, already, there's about four things on there that um, I'll mention today. Um, and you can go in there and look at those in, in, in your own time. Um, but but I, I really hope that this really begins to really just awaken um, who we are. Because um, functionally, really thinking, when, when we look at Jesus, the work of Jesus Christ, the cross, his death, the, the payment for sin... When we believe in Jesus, his death and payment for sin changes our destination. Uh, we were born headed straight for eternity separate from him in hell. His payment for our sin changed our destination. The empty tomb, the fact that Jesus came alive through the power of God, changes not just our destination, but our destiny. It changes who we are. I'm, I'm not just someone that is going to God. I'm someone who 
has God in them, my, my identity, who I am, the quality of, of what I can do in this world is radically changed. Um, Acts isn't about people getting second chances. It's about people becoming new. And, and I want you to understand that, that God hasn't woken you up today and he won't wake you up this week to just do a series of second go at it. He has you and I alive to live new and different, to be brand new creations for him. So when we look at this, that's what I really want to have. I want, I want to encourage you to have this mindset. Now, a couple things as we, as we look into Acts, and, and these will be a couple things that you'll hear me say a few different times, but I want to go ahead and kind of lay them out today so that we know kind of what to expect and we know kind of how to organize our thoughts as we look at this. Um, m- many times we look at the book of Acts and we say, hey, that, you know, that's the church. Like, that's what we need to aim for. Well, we're going to be careful saying that we're going to do church like the church did in Acts because these were some jacked up, messed up people. Like they made some, they made some major mistakes that we wouldn't want to repeat. Okay, so we can't idealize the New Testament totally. It's it's people learning to live for Jesus with Jesus in them. Um, so I want you to think about this. Acts Acts isn't a prescription of how to be the church. It's a description of what God did in and through the church. So if we can look at it that way, then we'll be able to make better application in my life personally, your life personally, but also in our lives together. It's not a prescription of how we should do it. It's, it's a description of what God has done. Now, the, the second thing I want to I throw past you is this. Um, when people idealize, okay, is this on this kind of the same line of thought? When people idealize the past, they tend to get pessimistic about the present. I've talked to a lot of people who, um, when they go through the book of Acts, they, they say, hey, that's what, uh, what church ought to be. And if you talk to them long enough, you'll also see that they, they pulled themselves back and disconnected from what church is now. They actually stopped participating in a body of believers because they want to point to Acts and say, well, because nobody does it exactly like that, I'm going to pull out from all of it. And, and that's unhealthy. Um, have, you, have you ever talked about the good old days? Like, I feel like I'm finally getting to the point where I've lived enough days to where some of them should be good and old, right? Um, but, but when I talk about things um, that, that used to be, I, I don't want to do that anymore. Like, I don't, I don't want to live that way. Like, my, my first job was in a small, confined warehouse building that backed up to a, to a commercial kitchen that the heat actually was vented through our warehouse, I don't want to work in those conditions anymore. Like, like, I didn't have as much responsibility as I do now, but I'm not going to go back to that job. Like, I don't want to work in that condition anymore. Um, you, you, many of us grew up um, with a lot less air conditioning than we have now. Anybody want to give it up? No. You want to give up? No, no, we're not going to give up air conditioning. Like, like, there's certain things that when we say, hey, you remember when it used to be like? It used to be like when we idealize that, we tend to get pessimistic about what's going on now. So when we think about the church, what God is doing, let, let's hold back from, from that, that kind of leaning, okay? Um, let's jump in. Chapter 1, um, verse 1. And, and today we're going to cover, um, I believe, basically verses 1 through 11. Um, this is Luke writing. Now, you may um, have heard kind of the Sunday school Bible quiz question, who wrote most of the New Testament? And to that we say who? Paul. But technically, that's just by number of letters. Luke, who wrote the Gospel of Luke in Acts, by word count, by volume, 
actually wrote the majority, he, he has the biggest word count in all of the New Testament combined. Um, he, and he really wrote Luke and Acts as more of a two-volume set than two totally separate writings. Um, so when we look at Acts and Luke, we got to realize like there's a lot of weight in the New Testament just in these two books. Um, and, and I would challenge you sometime, make it a goal at some point, to read those two together um, as you study through those. Now, um, he starts out this way. Uh, this is Luke writing. I wrote the first narrative. He's referring to the Gospel of Luke. I wrote the first narrative, Theopolis, about all that Jesus began to do and teach. Um, when, when we look at the four Gospels, we kind of look at those as a group and we highlight it like it's the good old days. It's the greatest season of anything that's gone on on this planet. Now, from Genesis to Revelation, um, it, it's helpful to study the Bible and see that Jesus is always God's plan. But when we look into the Gospels, Luke said it about himself. Hey, my first book that was, that was a dissertation on Jesus, what he said, what he did, where he went, how he treated people. He said that was what he began to, that was just the beginning. You do realize the rest of the story as it continues on is still happening now. What is going on in your life is as significant as any one of the four Gospels because it's Jesus' continuous work. You say, hang on a second, you, you don't know my life. My life is messy, it's messed up, it's jacked up. It's, 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 it's full of confusion, it's full of worry, it's full of doubt. Yep, mine is too. Still just as significant in what Jesus is doing now in and through you as it was in that writing. He said this was just the beginning. Until the day he was taken up, that's the, that's the ascension, not the resurrection. Until the day he was taken up, after he had given instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, after he had suffered, he also presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Now, if you're taking notes, write this down, maybe in the margin of your Bible somewhere. Um, 1 Corinthians 15. Now, 15, 3 through 8 is kind of Paul's statement about those convincing proofs. Um, 1 through about verse 10 shows you also how it applies, how, how Paul didn't just talk about, hey, here's what Jesus did. He talks about what it meant to him. Right, like it, how it actually got into his life and went to work. Um, so that's a passage that, as you're looking at Acts chapter one, it's worth reading. Now, when we talk about these convincing proofs, what did Jesus do? Um, well, it, in a nutshell, about 500 people saw him. He appeared to them, and and he did he did normal stuff. Like, how do you prove that you were dead and now alive? You eat with people, you talk to them, you let them touch you. Like it, it like you're sitting there going. Odd. It doesn't seem like very God-like, deity-like things to do. He did normal things to show his followers that he really was alive. Jesus' half-brother James was not a follower of Jesus until he saw his dead brother back to life again. It's how all of this got started. God doesn't... Um, sometimes I think we think, well, God must just do these, like, these high and mighty things. No, God knows how to make it simple for me. He knows what I need to see to believe more deeply and more faithfully in a stronger way to help me for the next thing that's coming. He knows exactly how, you can use the phrase, dumb it down. He knows how to take it to my level, and he knows what I need. And he did those things with these people. Um, and, and the beauty of it, and the beauty of it, 
um, all through this, all through this, um, is, is even in how he laid it out. There's going to be a timeline that's going to be up on the screen right now. Um, and as you look at this timeline, um, you can go to that page that, that, that's on the website, um, rfcc.org uh, slash acts, and, and this timeline is on there. But to kind of help you understand, because over the next couple of weeks, we're going to see really the full picture. And, and, and I don't want to like totally geek out on you with Scripture, but sometimes I think we, we, can't, just, we can't just wipe across Scripture. Um, when, when, every summer when I go to the beach, at some point, and I think it, irrit, it, it irritates my, my sons because they think I'm just, I've lost it, right? Like at some point, they walk up to me, and I'm just staring out at the beach, at the ocean, right? And, I, and I'm looking as far as I can see. Now, I can see great still really far away. Up close, I'm living right here and loving it, right? I, I like clear vision. But, but when I'm looking out, my, the boys come up, Dad, what are you looking at? And I always tell them the same thing. I said, man, guys, just look at this. Like, God made this. You realize what this is? They're like, yeah, it's the ocean. I said, no, it's not the ocean. What do you mean it's not the ocean, Dad? This is just the top of it. Like, you just see the top. Like, it goes way deeper than this. And they're looking at me like, well, yeah. But I'm like, no, guys, this is just the top. And that's, that's scripture. We got to be careful that we just don't look at it. Y'all, it's, it's, a, it's a great top. It's, it's awesome. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. Sometimes when, when you see how deep it is and how, how God just pieced it together and just flowed it perfectly, it helps us to trust his plan for our life that much more. When you look at this, this timeline, just briefly, I just want to make sure you're kind of up to speed. Um, Jesus' crucifixion and his resurrection, um, that was at Passover. That, that was the holiday that was there to celebrate how um, God delivered from death the nation of Israel. Jesus died and, and came back to life specifically on that holiday. It just doesn't happen like that. That's just a, like when, when, you got a, when you have a government that wants to kill a political leader, you know when they want to do it? They want to do it at that moment. They want to end it. God prolonged it so it would happen symbolically on that day so more people would be able to believe. For 40 days, Jesus is just, he's chilling. He's hanging out. He didn't go away. He hung around for 40 days, and that's when he's doing all the teaching He's showing them the signs. He's letting them touch them. He's eating. He's showing them that physically his body's working. Um, for 40 days, the Roman government just needed to come up with a reason to explain something. All they knew was they killed him. And after that, they had nothing. No explanation. For 10 days, as you'll find out, is when Jesus ascended back to heaven. For 10 days, it was just those followers. It was just those followers. Why 10 days? Because on Pentecost, 50 days after Passover, culturally everything is changing, right? Not just for the disciples, but it's a shift in their normal culture. From Passover to Pentecost, it's 50 days. Pentecost is a harvest time. Weather's good. People have money in their pockets and they're traveling. So now, at Pentecost, is why all these Jews show up in Jerusalem talking to people with money to spend, and they're checking things out. That's when the Holy Spirit comes into the disciples. That's when he starts to show himself. That's when there are gathered huge, enormous crowds, comfortable outside, ready to listen, ready to hear, and we see people start becoming followers of Jesus Christ. That's the timeline. It's a perfect timeline. 
Now, I'm sure it didn't feel perfect because what do the disciples feel? If they went off their feelings, what did they feel? They felt scared to death because when, when the crucifixion happened, all they knew is, is Jesus was going to die. He was saying it. They just didn't know how many bodies were going to hit the floor by the end of the night. Then he came back to life. Total and absolute excitement. He's teaching them. He's talking to them. They're trusting. You come back to life. Oh, this is takeover time. And then Jesus drops the mic and leaves. And for 10 days, they're together, but they're uniquely alone compared to what they felt with Jesus. And then, boom, it takes off. It absolutely takes off. This is what Jesus said. Now, at, at, at one point in this 40 days is what we have here for verse 4. Okay, While he was with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem. W would you be insulted? Would you be insulted? Um, if you spent four years getting your college degree and you got a job exactly in your degree and on the first day, the first news somebody came up to you with was, hey, just so you know, uh, you ain't ready. You ain't ready. Now, if you've ever had someone who is overly educated and, and, and lacks experience, if you've ever worked with someone like that, or if you've ever had this thing called a 16-year-old or a 13-year-old that, that knows it all, if you've ever dealt with somebody who thinks they know everything, I've experienced it, I know enough, and you're looking at them going, mm-mm, mm-mm. There is a spiritual head shake that happens right here with Jesus. Now, consider this. Jesus was the one that called them, taught them, and showed them, and he still says they're not ready. Why are they not ready? Lack of experience? Lack of exposure? No. Because Jesus assures them that the things that he has taught is what they need to know as they move forward. He even tells them here what you're going to go do. He, he's not saying you can't do anything. He just says you're not ready. It, there's, a, there, there's a healthy difference in saying, in the comparison of no you can't, no you're not, and wait, you're not ready. And this is, this is really what he says. He says, um, you're not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise, which, he said, you have heard me speak about. He, Jesus has taught about the Holy Spirit. Um, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. Now, um, I want to take you back somewhere. These verses aren't going to be on the screen. Um, and I'm going to read most of these verses really fast, okay? So just kind of buckle in for this where you can. Jot down some of these scripture references. Um, there, is a, there is a document on that page that there are some notes about um, John 14 through 17. Uh, if you want to go one place where Jesus talks about what is this Holy Spirit going to be like, those are four great chapters to go read um, to say, okay, um, it, it, here's the Jesus I believe in. And then he's also helping me understand what it's going to be like to have the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, in me, what he's going to do, um, what I can expect, what I can do through him. Okay? Here, here's, here's a few things that Jesus goes through in John 14 through 17. Um, this is John 14, 12 through 17. Truly I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and he will do even greater works than these because I am going to the Father. He, he went ahead and told him then. I'm going back to, to, to heaven, to, to Father God. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Uh, how can we do greater things than Jesus? 
Consider the math of it. Jesus was one person on earth, and he could affect the crowd that was around him. But for all of those all over the earth that believe in Jesus, they have Jesus in them, and they're all working. It's, it's a magnitude equation. Um, it's, it's not that we're better than Jesus. It's just it's simple math understanding. If, if you love me, you will keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. Now, uh, another means exact same. Okay? If you, if you caught my egg explanation at, at the first part of this message, um, it, yes, we're, we're talking about someone different but the same. The, the, the fruit, what it's after, is the same. He is the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him. But you do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. Um, so, so immediately, just at this point, what do we understand? You are part of something that is much bigger than the singular, singular ministry of Jesus. It's called the church. There's a lot of us living and working together. But everybody doesn't get the Holy Spirit. Everybody doesn't receive him. Because God has always established this thing on the earth that says, this is what it's like to belong to God. This is what it's like when you don't belong to God. If you feel like you're always part of something, you don't ever think you need to change. I mean, you think about it. If you grew up and you went into school and you were part of the popular crowd, every time you went in that building, you never considered that you needed to change, your perspective becomes everybody else needs to change to belong here. God wants us to understand. And remember, we didn't always belong to God. I wasn't born saved. That's by grace. That's by grace. In John 14, 25 through 26, it says this, I have spoken these things to you while I remain with you, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I have told you. Um, the Holy Spirit inside of you is always truthful. He will not lie. He, he will not lie. He will also bring things to your memory that God has already put in you. Things from three decades ago. He'll connect dots that you or I in our own mental capabilities would never have connected otherwise. Now, his disciples are hearing this. They're going, you know, Jesus, I, I, like, this is a lot of an explanation. Like, could you give us some kind of like, could you, could you give us something tangible? Could you draw a picture? Jesus says, yeah, no problem. That's when he goes in, John 15, the vine and the branches. And he explains to them, listen, um, when, when, when you go, and if you were going to go sample wine that was produced from a vineyard, nobody takes that bottle, pours it in a glass, swirls it around, takes a sip, and goes, man, those must be some awesome branches. They don't. That's not where the credit goes. The credit goes to the vine. That's the big organism that has got incredibly deep roots and is connected to everything. That's where the attention goes. But the benefit of being part of that vine, the branches, is that when we stay connected with Jesus, that's what the Holy Spirit's up to. Hey, here's how you need to live. It's not about us always feeling guilt. It's about the Holy Spirit coming in ahead of time and saying, listen, let me teach you some stuff so you can avoid the guilt. He says, if you'll, if you'll listen to the Holy Spirit, then he'll, then he'll help you stay connected and close to me. But while you're close to me, I'm also in you because of him. He, he, he draws this illustration because in, in, their, in their time, they would walk along roads, countryside, past farms. They would, see, they would see vines, vineyards everywhere. So for them, this is the perfect illustration. For you, it, it may be a different illustration. 
It, it may work with a different set of systems, but the truth is the same. In John 15, um, it also says this, I do not call you servants anymore because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything that I heard from the Father. How do you, how do you remain a friend of God? Listen to his voice, the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus did this one-on-one. He said, listen, as I'm talking to you, I, I, th- this is, we're, we're, we're changing the dynamic of the relationship. This isn't perfect God making you serve. This is God saying, hey, 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 friend. Relationally, we're, we're talking, we're communicating. You know things. You, you know what's happening. And John, um, continue later down in John 15 and, and 26 and 27, it says, when the counselor comes, the one I will send you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. You will also testify because you have been with me from the beginning. Um, the Holy Spirit will point to Jesus and he'll help us point others to Jesus. It also talks many times in 14 and 15 about how we, we can ask in Jesus' name and receive. That's not because we just get everything we want because many times, um, as you're, you're going to see in Acts, we tend to ask the wrong questions. How does the life of Jesus make my life better? The life of Jesus actually changes me from the inside out so that, that I have his desires and I start wanting the things that he wants um, instead of the selfishness that, that normally would come out of me. Um, in, in John 16, um, nevertheless, I'm telling you the truth. Um, it is for your benefit that I go away because if I don't go away, the counselor will not come. See, it, it had to happen that way. Jesus present in this world was pointing people to the Father. If Jesus stayed and the Holy Spirit indwelled people, pride, sinful pride takes over, and now we have a bunch of Jesuses competing for each other. Jesus says, I've got to leave so the Father will send, because the Father sent Jesus a perfect gift. He said, I'm going to go back so the Father can give again. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an image of how God just gives new grace all the time. Have you ever noticed that? It seems like when we feel like we lose one thing, God has already given or, or starts giving something else. Have you ever noticed that? When, when you ever lost someone in your life? And you think, man, how can I ever make it through um, this relationship not being here and present with me? And then all of a sudden, it doesn't take that long, and you realize that he has already given you someone else that comes along and encourages. And it's not exactly the same, but it's just new grace. It's, it's just something new that God has done. That's the same kind of thing that God does here. He says, I still have many things to tell you, but you can't bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into the truth. When it, when it talks about what we can't bear, um, sometimes I, I go in and I study scripture, and, and I read it and read it and read it, and I'm like, all right, Lord, what, what are you saying here? Like, what are you really talking about? And sometimes it takes a while, because my brain can't handle every truth from God. But the Holy Spirit stays in me, stays in me, to help me over time with it. And he'll help you over time with it. Verse 5, back in Acts chapter 1. Uh, For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. Verse 6, so when they, came, they come together, they ask him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom of Israel at this time? Again, they ask the wrong question. God, are, are Jesus, are, are you going to make us popular? Or is our life going to now immediately start getting better and better and better because you're alive and you're going to do something? Like and they were running away. When they, when they came to kill Jesus, they were like, no, I'm out, I'm gone. No, too hard, too sticky, too, too, too messy. I, I'm, I'm gone. They ran. Then all of a sudden, Jesus came back to life again. Now they got bravery. Now they're like, you do it, Jesus. We're with you. We're, we're behind you. 
And, and, and if, we're not really, if we're not really, again, remember, they don't have the Holy Spirit inside of them yet. And when we don't, when we don't really listen to the Holy Spirit, we tend to kind of imitate that. One day, we're brave. Man, Jesus can do it all. The next day, one phone call happens, and it's like, oh, no, I can never make it through this. We have this kind of fool's bravery that comes in and out of our life. That's because, not because the Holy Spirit isn't in us, but it's because we're not listening. You, you, you do realize that. I, like, sometimes I, I have to remind myself of that. Just because the Holy Spirit's in us doesn't necessarily mean I'm following him. Like, it's not an automatic. Um, at, at times in your life, you may give good wisdom to somebody. You might even be standing beside them. You may work in the office beside them, but they just ignore it and don't do it. It, wasn't, it didn't mean you weren't present. It just means they didn't listen and apply it. Verse 7, he said to them, It is not for you to know times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses. Notice he says, he said, you will be my witnesses. He didn't say they were going to always be good ones, because they weren't always. I'm not always a good witness of Jesus. He says, we will be, because the power of the Holy Spirit is so strong and could do so much in us that Jesus planned it this way. We may look at it and go, I don't think I would have drawn it up this way. But this is how sure he is of what he can do in us. Um, he said, but you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Um, real quick, I want to show you something. Um, there's a couple maps we're going to look at real fast. Uh, the first one is the first three parts of that, of, that, of that commission that Jesus says, you will be my witnesses. Um, now, the first map has Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria on it. Now, if you look at where, well, let me start with this, Jerusalem. Jerusalem is where they already were. Now, here's the thing, again, will they be good witnesses? The vast majority of the apostles never really made it far outside of Jerusalem. They never went to the ends of the earth. They tended to stay right, they stayed really close and collected right there. But Jesus says, listen, here, think about it as a, as, a, as a pattern. Don't skip a step. Don't go all the way to the ends of the world. Don't go all the way to world missions. Look at where you're at. He says, all right, Jerusalem, you're already here. Yeah, but we're scared. Yep, but you're already here. Man, things are crazy right now. Our relationships are all weird, and we don't know what we're going to do. Yep, but guess what? You're here, <laughs> right? Like Jesus says, don't, like you, you may look at it and go, man, you don't understand how messed up my family is. You don't understand what it's like to work where I work. Yep, but here's the thing. We're already there. There's no better place to start than where we are. He says, okay, start there. Now, Judea. What's Judea? Judea is, would be like for us, like the county around it, okay? It's the bigger geographical area that we're already in. Now, but look at Samaria. If you look around Samaria on this map, you will see all kinds of places that Jesus' Jesus's ministry took place. And, and this was culturally, they would have lived and traveled all around this area. But right in the middle, that part that's, that's highlighted in red, was a group of people that they just did not want to associate with. Living for Jesus, having the Holy Spirit inside of us, means that God will be perfectly aware that there will be things, places, people, tasks, that we will just have a really hard time with. But it's still part of the equation. For some of us, it may be a, a people group that we have a difficult time with. 
And God will say, hey, what better way to show the love of Jesus than for people that know you have a tough time with them to see you go and love them? For some of us, we have a, we have a hard time with selfishness. But Jesus will say, hey, how incredible would it, would it be for people that know you really hold tight to money to see you become generous? Sometimes it serves. It, it, there's a lot. God knows the things that's toughest for me and you, but he doesn't, in his love, remove them from the equation because he knows how much it's going to help us grow. Because if we can cross that border, if we can go into that area, we'll have to live out Jesus' love with this truth. It's for everybody. It's for everything. It's for all my tasks and all my time. And if we can cross that line in some way, we'll experience and we'll live the love of Jesus like we've never, never before. It'll change the world. Because after that is the rest of the world. If you'll show that second map. See, now here's the thing. Now on this map, and, and both of these are on that page, and you can go look at them if you'd like to. Um, but this map um, has, the, it's, it's a little bit deceiving. You've got to look at it because it's basically the first and second century church expansion. So catch this. 30 years, in 30 years, when they started all of Jesus' ministry, the people that went with him went in an area about 150 miles top to bottom, and about 45 to 50 miles east and west. In 30 years, they covered 10,000 miles led by the Holy Spirit. You and I will always get farther listening to that voice than we will listening to the one that we want to listen to. That one that's me. Because God can always do more than I can do. He he can open doors that are closed when I knock on them. But because he wants me to go through them, he'll have them open before I even get there. Or the best thing is like when you see these automatic doors and you walk up to them. You ever, and I'm, I'm a little bit childish. Sometimes still in my brain, I like to walk up to them. And when I see a kid come up beside me, I'll go abracadabra. Just because I hope that kid's like, like I read Harry Potter. Is this guy a wizard? Like what's going on here? Sometimes, maybe in life, that's what it becomes. We just, at, at the moment we step right up to that door, it, it just opens up because it's the Holy Spirit. He's already been working. In the book of Acts, in 30 years, in 30 years, I, I didn't want to misquote this, so I wrote this down. In 30 years, over 10,000 miles, 32 countries, 54 cities, 9 islands, and 95 leaders mentioned by name, title, and authority. Back in the 60s, there was a professor at Oxford University, not a Christian, an atheist. He said in writing, the book of Acts can't be questioned based on its accuracy from history. He said it's without question and without flaw. It said it mentions names, specifics that other history books get wrong. This is really truly what God did in this world. And he sparked it like that. 30, uh, 70 AD, if you know the date 70 AD, it's when Jerusalem was destroyed. You know why it's, it's not the end of the world that Jerusalem was destroyed in 70 AD? Because it had already gone that far. It didn't need Jerusalem to survive. And honestly, the church doesn't need me to survive but I want to be a part of it. I desperately want to be a part of it. The ascension. After he said these things, he was taken up as they were watching, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going, they were gazing into heaven, 
And suddenly two men in white clothes stood by them, two angels, and they said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come the same way that you have seen him going into heaven. Think about it. Two voices. Yell at him as they're watching Jesus going up into the sky. And, I, and I've talked a little bit about this before when we talked about heaven. I, I don't believe heaven is as far away as we think it is. Because when they, when they caught their attention, when they yelled at him, they looked over there. When they looked back, he was gone. I think Jesus just used that one little window to step over into heaven. What does it say? Hey, what, what are you staring at the sky for? Are you kidding me? This guy, we, we followed him for three years. He died. He's alive. He starts elevating. What do you mean, why are we looking up? We don't know what to do. And this is, they, they remind, you do know what to do. He's already told you. He's coming back. Stay together. Wait. What is the greatest thing, I think in some sense, about the ascension? The fact that Jesus did it. Not that it's miraculous that he could float in the air, but what did he say? He said, if I don't go back, you don't get the Holy Spirit. God functions for his glory and for our best. I mean, if Jesus was as much human as you or I, when we form close relationships that we just don't want to let go of, he had the power of God in him to come back to life. He could have stayed much longer than 40 days. But at 40 days, he's like, I've got to go to move things forward. You know, by the grace of God, that's how he works in your life and mine as well. He works even when, he, when it's difficult for his own heart to move things forward for you and I as well. He wants to move things forward for you. When you feel stuck in life, Jesus went back to heaven when he could have stayed and functioned with these disciples. He could have kept that physical face-to-face relationship. He went back to heaven because he knew it was best. And the very thing that you or I need Even if it's difficult, we can trust Jesus to do it. He won't back off and he won't let us down. What does it mean that we look at this first chapter of Acts and say, God is doing something? What what, what is the significance? What does this really mean? This chapter shows us that, that God's plan in this world wants to include us. And and God's not about just gathering a big army because he was clear the Holy Spirit will come in each one of you. So it gives us this ability to both say, God, I'm a person and, and I can come to you for what I need, but I also can live dependently and with these other people that are around me. I often say, if you're going to be part of a church body, you've got to have a thick skin and a sense of humor. You've got to be able to laugh at things that aren't funny and figure out a way to laugh at them. And you've got to be able to take some things. Because while Jesus followed the Holy Spirit perfectly on this earth, we, we won't always. But what Jesus started put Jesus in you and he put him in me. And what happened over 30 years is just a flash of what God can do in 30 years of your life or 30 years of mine. It may be for you right now, Jerusalem, just right close in your home where you already are. He may be wanting you to spread out 
the influence that he gives you. He may be wanting you to step into that area that's very difficult, almost impossible, because everything up here has always said don't go. Everything in here says I can't love, I can't give, I can't do whatever. Or it may be that he's called you to have an easy time with all those things because he wants you to just get farther and farther than the majority. This isn't about the number of miles that you or I can travel across this planet. Because in some sense, that's just the top of the water. I wanted to go through chapter 1. I felt, I felt led to go through chapter 1 this way because I want, I, want to, I want to do a little bit of setting the table. Because from, from last year to this year, if you, can't, if, if you can't look at the landscape and say it's more important now to understand how to live a life with Jesus because he's in me and, and, and know what to expect from the Holy Spirit, that he won't lie to you. That he'll remind you of things that you have forgot. That, that, that all that's happening, guess what, without me even putting in yet. That this is a season to realize how unique and different that you are in Christ. My question is this, though. Jesus said it himself. The whole world won't receive the Spirit. There is, as I heard someone say this week, a beginning to a relationship with Jesus. The cross, him paying for our sins. When we believe in that, that is salvation for our destiny. But in believing in Jesus, we have to believe that everything is true. Him coming back to life means I am someone different. And for this week, I want to pray for you. And I want you to pray for me that, that we begin to see ourselves not as just the same old person with second chances, but as a new creation, that nothing's off the table for any of us. If you don't know that you know Jesus as Savior, cross, resurrection, Holy Spirit inside of you, after the service, if you're here, I would like to stay and talk to you. If you're watching virtually, I want you to know there, there are way, all the ways that contact us. Please contact us so we can, we can have that conversation. But, but, but you don't wait for a pastor. You don't wait for a pastor. If you know Jesus is calling you, it's about your belief, your heart-committed belief, and going to God in prayer and to ask him for the salvation he's already promised you. Isn't that crazy? Ask him for the, what he's already promised. It's like, why do I got to ask? Because it's just a reminder of his love. It's just the first promise that he wants to keep in your heart. But if you pray that prayer, please don't, don't just leave and say, okay, life's just going to kind of be something when it starts. Let's live this life together. Come talk to me. Come talk to someone else. Contact us um, virtually, please. Can we pray together? God, thank you so much for your love and your grace. Lord, thank you that we can rely on you and we can trust in you for all that we need and all that we have. Lord, as we go from this point in the service and as we look ahead, God, we have heard your word. We've heard the truth of it in the songs that were sung before the message. God, you have repeated and you have reminded and you have taught. So God, help us as we look deep into your word. Lord, help us to realize as, as, we, as we look into this thing of Acts and what you've done in this world, um, God, help us to, to be excited about who we are now. Lord, help us to start to really understand and put some study effort into God. What does it mean to live for Jesus? Not, not that, that our life is better just because we believe in him or, or just that the, 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 the average set of days that we live 
we'll just kind of casually pursue our own desires and, and, and push back on, God, a greater purpose that you call us for. Um, but, but Lord, help us to be awakened to that that is who I am. That is what I'm called to do. Um, that is the difference of me, of my family, of my church, of, of the people that I'm connected to. So as we live for you and with you, but also together, God, that what we can see happen multiplied out, God, is, is, is not just number-driven, but it's kingdom impact-driven. And Lord, we, we desire in our hearts to see change, but God, help us to not just look for change we want, but God, help us to be part of the change that you're bringing. Lord, help us to love in a way that we've never loved before. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Would you stand back up as we conclude this service?